Thanks for checking out a sermon from First United Methodist Church located in Sheridan, Wyoming. To learn more about who we are, please check out our webpage at fumcsheridanwy.org. The sermon today discusses the importance of abiding in Jesus' love and living by His example. All right, our scripture reading this morning comes from John 14, 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me and those who love me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? God, I ask the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and glorifying to you. Amen. Uh, Today is the sixth Sunday of Easter as we continue to remember the resurrection and try to make sense of the resurrection. These words that we hear from John this morning, they come from the farewell discourse. The Gospel of John devotes, 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 devotes. I was right, okay, thank you. Uh, Devotes almost a quarter of his gospel to the farewell discourse, which is the final teachings to the disciples during or following the Last Supper. Now, full disclosure, there is debate. Do you include chapter 13 as part of the farewell discourse, or do you not include chapter 13? To be or not to be, that is the question. Fine. Let's move on. Now, the the teachings that Jesus does in in the farewell discourse in John are the teachings that lead to the story of the crucifixion. Now, we read that story during our tenebrae service, which is an ancient Good Friday service on the evening of Good Friday. We light candles. We extinguish the candles. It's a service of light and dark. These words that we hear this morning are are coming towards the beginning of the farewell discourse in chapter 14. It goes chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. If you knew that your time has come, what would you tell the people around you? Don't worry, okay. You love them? See, I I do believe that if we knew our time has come, what we would share would be some of the most important thoughts and feelings that we have. 
And so it's no surprise that John devouts so much into this farewell discourse so that if Jesus was doing the same, which I would believe he is, he is trying in this moment to build up the disciples, to encourage them, to make it through the next hours and days, some of the most important things to sum up and the ways in which we are to live as we wait for the resurrection. These words that we hear this morning invite us to pause and to reflect. Now, when we start talking about these verses here in John chapter 14, there is a word that gets brought up over and over again. A word that we hear many times throughout Jesus's ministry. In fact, we heard the word given five times this morning. Anyone want to venture a guess what that word is? Ask. Starts with an L, ends with an of. <laughs> Love, yeah, who said it? Nicely done. I think our culture has a very interesting relationship with this word love. I've talked about it before, but I'm going to talk about it again. We We use this word love to describe how we feel about all sorts of things. So for us this morning, I want us to focus our attention on the type of love that Jesus is talking about. Not love of coffee, not love of car, not, not, not love of X, Y, and Z, but of the love that Jesus is talking about this morning. The love here that he uses in If You Love Me is out of the five different words for love in the Greek. This is where we get into difficulty from Greek to English. The word is agape. And we've talked about agape love before. It's that uh, having an interest in in another person to cherish, to have compassion for, to, to show kindness. I think that Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, says it best. And so I just thought I would read you his definition. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read verses 4 through the first part of 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not reject, rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Beautiful definition of love, I think, and a very challenging definition of love, I think. Now, this is just the middle of the chapter, chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. You can look it up and read the rest of uh, of it that demonstrates the importance of living this type of love. This is the love that Jesus invites us to love him with the type of love that Jesus loves us with and the type of love that we are to love others with. All right, so let's, let's join the disciples this morning 
uh, during the Last Supper in the Gospel of John and hear what Jesus has to share with us today. Right away in this verse, we hear Jesus' call to the disciples asking them for faithfulness, to seek faithfulness to his words and deeds. And we hear it twice in these few verses. We hear it twice. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he says, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. To love Jesus is to keep his commandments. And to keep his commandments is to love Jesus. That begs the question then, what are Jesus's commandments? Okay, yeah, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. We can look at Jesus's words and deeds throughout the gospels in order to understand what Jesus's commandments are. And in all reality, probably some of the most challenging, gut-wrenching, and difficult things to do Because Jesus tells us to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. To pay more attention to the log in your own eye than the speck in your neighbor's. To care for and tend to the marginalized. To give food, drink, shelter to those who need it. To visit the sick and imprisoned. And the list can go on and on and on. We look to the teachings. We look to the to the living of the incarnation to help us understand what the commandments look like, to help us understand how to live. For this is why Jesus came, to teach us and demonstrate how to fully live. Now the challenge here is that this is not a new legalistic structure. I forget who says it, uh, but Pastor Phil will, will, has told me this so many times. There are a thousand ways back to the law. And the devil doesn't care which one you take. This is not a new legal, legalistic system. Because this is a system that is based out of love. Based out of love. So we look to the teachings and the living of the incarnation to help us understand how to live in the way that is of love, living in Jesus's love and loving like Jesus, as well as loving Jesus. Anyone keeping track of how many times I say the word love this morning? To live this way is hard, isn't it? It's hard, and at times it may feel impossible. There's too much anger, too much frustration, too much hurt, too much selfishness. We could even ask, like the disciples, wondering, can the disciples still love Jesus when he's gone? Can they still love Jesus when he's gone? Can the next generation love Jesus without having had a personal, physical connection relationship with him? 
being able to walk with him? We know the answer to both of those questions. How do we know the answer to that? Because we're living testimonies to that, right? We're here. We can, because every time they do Jesus' works and they keep his commandments, they are living out what Jesus has taught them. The beauty of all of this in these verses is not only that Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll follow my example. But he says, I am sending another advocate, is what we hear in the New Revised Standard Version. We are also promised, they were also promised to have help. Now again, like I said, the New Revised Standard Version we hear the help being described as advocate. Now, this word that gets translated advocate in the Greek has a number of different meanings. Surprise, surprise. The word is, uh, is actually paraclete, and this is the first time in John's gospel that we hear this word being used. It has a wide range of meanings, which include to exhort and encourage, to comfort and console, to call upon for help, to appeal. Ah, I forget the, the English understanding of this. That's the verb understanding. Uh, the word that gets used here in the Greek is a noun. So let's understand it through the lens of a noun. Because in different translations, you will hear diff these different pieces. But yet, the, those that read or heard John in the Greek would have understood all of these meanings in this one word. All right? So the noun, which is used here, the one who ex exhorts, the one who comforts, the one who helps, the one who makes appeals on one's behalf. When you read the NIV, NRSV, CEB, all of these different, they're going to take one of those understandings and translate that word. My hope for you is that you hear the deeper understanding of what is being said here. Now, the other thing that we don't want to miss is that there is a, there's a word that comes right before paraclete. Did you pick up on what was said there? I know, pop quizzes, too many of them this morning. Another. I will send you another paraclete. Another. I, I appreciate that word that is being used there. We don't want to miss the fact that Jesus is also a paraclete. I will give you another paraclete. It's suggesting that Jesus identifies as a paraclete himself. So what we hear in the meaning of this Greek word then functions as not simply another name for the Holy Spirit, but as a way to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. The same work that Jesus did for the early disciples, the Holy Spirit does for us. You, you still with me? I mean, that, 
That, that's like an amen statement right there. Was, where was my amen? No? Okay, let me try it again. Where was I in here? The same work that Jesus did for the early disciples, the Holy Spirit does for us. Amen. There we go. Yes. We'll work on that. That's so then what it, the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us is a continuation of the work that Jesus did. And this presence and relationship, this paraclete, will be with us forever. The paraclete ensures that the revelation of God in the incarnation will not end with Jesus' death and return to God, but will live on and be experienced through God's love that is revealed through us when we remain in his love. When we live in love, as a result of keeping Jesus' word, we experience the love of God, and it is through this love that we will also experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is what shapes the community of faith. This is what defines the community of faith. This is what draws us into communion with God. So Larissa made a comment before our third song, Hungry, Falling on My Knees. She said, you should tell them the story. We got time, so I'm going to tell you the story. When I was in college, I, I started going to a church that was well, probably about 30 minutes or so away from the, the campus. Uh, it just so happened to be the same pastor that my sister had in a different college, moved down outside of Philadelphia uh, just as I was starting to go to college. So as soon as I got a car on campus, I started going to this church. Well, I showed up super early one Sunday. Uh, and it was awkward because no one else was in there. So I just, as a good Methodist, slipped in the back pew and sat there waiting for the service to start. Gentleman came, sat down next to me. By that afternoon, I was at a barbecue, and I had already said yes, I would start playing the drums in their praise band. So over the, the course of the next couple of years, I started playing drums with this praise team. And, and we, I became a part of their family, and, and they became a part of my family. And, and so this song in particular, Hungry, Falling on My Knees, we had practiced for at least a month. We have gone, gone through it every week leading up to that month, and, and I was going to be playing the, the drums for it, and the, the drums played an important part in it, and, and we were working, 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 and when Sunday came, do you know what happened? My alarm never went off. <laughs> and as a good college student, I slept in and never made it to the worship service. And so here are people that I love and adore that we have been working so hard on for this, working so hard to, to play this song. And I'm in my dorm room sleeping. I didn't know how I was going to ever face them again. 
I didn't know how I would, I, I would sit down at their dinner table and, and eat a meal with them again. I mean, I know how I would have portrayed me <laughs> if I was on the outside looking in. But that Thursday came, and I drove down to Haverford, Pennsylvania, to go eat dinner with the praise team before we went to practice. And they smiled as I came in <laughs> and handed me a wrapped box. And I unwrapped it, and, and there was a brand new alarm clock. <laughs> there are moments. Now, we had a relationship with each other and we could, you could probably argue it's easy for you to love someone that you have a relationship with. Yes, I get that. But they had every right to say thanks, but no thanks. We worked so hard and you didn't show up. That wasn't their response. Their response was, here's a new alarm clock to replace your busted junk that's in your, your poor college dorm room. And you know what? I used that alarm clock for years until this replaced it. Until the alarm clock started coming up on phones. Jesus is inviting us in this moment to love each other the way that he has loved us. It sounds so simple. And it can be simple. But it's also a challenge. These words that we hear from John help us remind us of a deeper calling, a calling to one another, a calling to our community, a calling to love. The paraclete suggests that the faith community that we are a part of in any generation can experience a relationship with Jesus when we live out the love of the incarnation, my hope for us is that we may abide in his love. And by so doing, be willing to live as his example. And no matter if you sleep in or not, be that conduit of God's love to those around us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for your great mercy and grace, for your compassion, your care, and your love. We ask that you help us. Help us to lean into that love Receive it, embody it, 
then share it so that others may know who you are by the love that we have for them. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We would love for you to join us again for worship in person or online, and we look forward to being with you next time.